If you've been with us this semester, you know that we've been studying First Peter. Um, so this is your permission. If you want to get out your phone and read along with me, you can. No texting, no Instagram or anything. I'm just kidding. You can do what you want. You're adults. But if you want, we'll be in First Peter chapter 4. And we're going to be reading verses 8 through 11. Um, so if you've been with us, you know that it, this is written by the Apostle Peter. And early on, he in his letter, he says that he... He addressed this to the elect exiles. So elect because they have been chosen and set apart by God, that they are followers of Jesus. They are Christians. And because they are Christians, they are exiles, that they are set apart and different from the world around them. And that these particular Christians that he's writing to are undergoing intense persecution, that it gets so bad at one point where Nero starts lighting up his dinner parties with the Christians. He sets them on fire to light up his parties. That's, that's the severity of the persecution. And so Peter writes this letter to encourage these Christians, this local body of Christians who are undergoing some growing and an intense persecution. And in, early on in the letter, he, he encouraged them by helping them remember who they are as followers of Jesus. He says that you have been caused to be born again, that you were once dead as, as all mankind is, that you once were dead in your sins and dead in your rebellion against God as, as all people are. But when you turned to Jesus, you trusted in him and that Jesus being fully God, fully man, he was fully righteous. The only one who was truly righteous to walk this earth and that he went to the cross and and when he went to the cross, you trusted in him with your sins. So your sins, your unrighteousness was placed on his body. And that when he was on the cross, he died a death to pay for your sins, that your sins were crucified on that cross, that you were held prisoner to sin and death. But his blood ransomed you. His blood was the payment that it took to set you free from sin. So now no longer do you live to sin, but you live in the spirit. You live to righteousness. And, and with this, you have been born again, given this new life. And with a new life, you have an inheritance that you are now children of God. You are heirs to the kingdom that you have an inheritance that is being kept for you. And that this inheritance is one that is everlasting, that it's eternal, that it cannot be taken. It's not tarnished by sin in any way. And that because of this, because of Jesus, you have hope. You have a living and abounding hope that even when you face sufferings of any kind in this life, you can persevere and push through because you know you have a great reward in heaven that's been secured for you. And so you can live differently than the world around you because of this hope. And he's going to encourage them in the letter to rally around one another. That as a body of believers, that he doesn't want them to, to live this personal individual faith and suffer in isolation. He wants them to rally with one another as they undergo this persecution, as they undergo the suffering. And so that's kind of the heartbeat behind what he's about to tell them in 1 Peter chapter 4. So in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, it says, Above all... Keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. He says, above all, above anything else, I want you to love one another with a deep and earnest and intentional love. 
that as you see your brothers and sisters in Christ, your heart's affections are stirred for them, that you have a passion for them. I want you to love them deeply, that as your brothers and sisters, they struggle, that your heart empathizes with them, that it, it hurts when they hurt, that when they rejoice, you rejoice alongside them. You are encouraged by their rejoicing. You, you come alongside them. You do this life with them. You have a deep love and passion for them. And he says, this love is going to cover a multitude of sins because Peter knows what we know all to be true is that, is that we are all imperfect people. So when you get a group of imperfect people and say, live together, walk alongside each other, do everything along with one another, that there's going to be frustrations, that we're going to sin and at times we're going to sin against one another, that we're going to speak poorly about one another. We're going to, we're going to be rude to one another. We're going to, to hurt one another. And maybe even if we're not even sinning, just the sheer fact of having differing personalities means that we're just going to annoy each other and we're going to frustrate one another. And so Peter says, you are to come together and yes, these things are going to happen, but because of your deep love for them, it's going to cover a multitude of these sins. That when your brother or sister hurts you with their words, you have a passion to reconcile with them. That you don't go on and say whatever and harbor bitterness and, and speak poorly against them as well. He says, no, you, you seek to reconcile. You say, hey, that hurt me when you said that and you work through it together and it's because of the great love that when they have minor annoyances or frustrations, you can overlook them because of the passion that you have. He says, you are to love one another earnestly. And then continuing on with this in verse nine, he says, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Show hospitality to one another. Welcome them as guests into your homes. Feed them. Take care of them. That when your brothers or sisters are in need, you, you come alongside them. You be hospitable. And I think a prime example of this is Zach and Angel, what they're doing for us tonight, that they can do anything they want on a Friday night, but instead they open up their home, their backyard. Zach labors over, the, well, Josiah labors over these fires <laughs> and, and does all of this, cooks amazing chili, just so that you guys can come together and enjoy one another and grow closer to God through singing praises to him and studying his word together. That's the definition of hospitable. And this isn't even a one-off thing for them. They do this week in and week out with home teams, not the bonfires. Well, I guess they might. That could be something new y'all do. But um, they do this week in and week out because they have this love for you guys and they're hospitable about it and they do it without grumbling or complaining. It's not always easy. It's difficult, but they, they love you guys so much that they are hospitable. And so for us as believers, we are to be hospitable. And now, for you guys, I know you're like, well, I don't have a house I can just build a fire for and have a bunch of college kids over to. Um, I can invite them to my dorm, but it's kind of small, like whatever. And, and here's the thing. Being hospitable does not always mean you have to have them in your house. You can practice hospitality now that you go grab dinner with someone, go and, and help take care of someone's practical needs. You come along someone, you be generous with the resources that you do have. And maybe that is letting someone come over and hang out in your apartment, dorm, whatever you stay, but you practice hospitality now and you do it without grumbling, without complaining that even when it's difficult, even when it's hard because of your love for them, you're not going to complain and whine and grumble about it because you have a deep love for your brothers and sisters in Christ. And then the last verses, it says, show, or as each has received a gift, 
Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him being glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So he says, as each has received a gift, I want you to serve one another. Because here's the truth. You have all been given unique and specific gifts by God. That, that we as followers of Jesus, those who have given and trusted their lives to Jesus, have been given specific gifts, spiritual gifts that we have that are ours. Um, even alongside of that, we've been given specific talents. You can do things that, that other people can't do. There are things that are unique to you. Certain character traits, certain resources that you have that, that makes you unique and different, that, that brings something to the table. And he says, hey, I want you to use these gifts, these unique things about you, to serve one another. To humble yourself as you, as you interact with your fellow believers and you exalt and lift them up with the gifts that you have. You lift up the body, he says, as stewards of God's varied grace. See, a steward was someone that, that was pretty common in this time where uh, the head of a household would entrust a steward with their possessions, with their uh, farming, with even raising young children. So they would give what's there so that they could manage it well. And so here it says, you are stewards of God's grace, that God has poured out grace upon you as a follower of Jesus. And you are a steward of that grace and you are to use the gifts that you've been given to divide out and to send out God's grace to your brothers and sisters in Christ. You are to point them to God. And, and he says, for those who speak, speak as ones who speak with oracles of God, what he's saying is those who speak, you do it through the word of God, not your own ideas, your own mentality, your own wisdom. You take the wisdom of God, the truth of scripture as you serve others. Those who serve others, you do it under God's power, under his strength. It's not your own strength. And so the picture here is you use your unique gifts to serve your brothers and sisters of Christ, to point them to the fountain of grace, which is God, so that they can be encouraged and filled up. That that is your role as a follower of Jesus. And I don't know if you caught this, but in all of these verses, there's a constant of love one another, show hospitality to one another, serve one another, one another, one another, one another. See, there's a, a misnomer that the Christian faith is just some individualistic personal faith. And it's because we know that it's only by grace we're saved, not by going to church or anything else. And that is true. But what you've heard me say before is that we haven't just been saved to God. We've been saved to a people. We've been saved to a family. And you can't one another without one another. We need each other as a body of Christ. And Peter says, hey, you who are going through these things, rally together with one another. Don't be in isolation. Plug into a body and serve one another. See, the, the, the thing is, we've all been given different gifts and your gift is different than mine. Um, you've been given different things and you're called to plug into a body to, to use that gift. So for me, I can't sing a lick. You don't want me leading. Someone asked if I was going to sing lead worship for you guys. I'll sing alongside and worship with y'all, but y'all don't want me to lead in that way. Amy's got a gift for that. And so she comes and she helps lead. She uses her gift to encourage the body of believers. 
Um, for some, it's technical things. And so you're going to plug in and you're going to help run camera, run light, stuff like that. You don't want me again doing those things because it wouldn't work out. Um, for others, you're great with kids. And so you're going to plug in on a Sunday morning or some other time and you're going to help uh, watch kids. And what you're going to allow are families who wouldn't be able to otherwise be able to go and worship corporately with a body of believers because they've got their kids taken care of right? You have different gifts and you're called to use them to encourage one another to point to God. And don't miss this. The whole thing is incredibly God-centric. The whole thing is centered around the foundation of the character of God. It says you're giving gifts by God and you are stewards of his grace. And as you serve one another, you're serving in word and deed through the word of God, through the power of God. And at the very end, I don't know if you caught it, you do it all for the glory of God. It's all rallied around the character and person of God that we are as believers supposed to be pointing one another and bringing each other to the, the foot of the cross, to, to the throne room and exalt and worship God. It's all about serving and worshiping and praising him. That is our role. The, the Im imagery that pops in my mind um, is, is that of, I don't know if any of y'all watched the World Series this past couple weeks. Any Braves fans? Yeah, yeah a couple of people. I got commented they got a Padres hat on, so I'm sorry for offending you guys. Um, but I don't know if you watched this. The Braves won the World Series, in case you didn't know. And when they won the last game, they were in Houston. But in Atlanta, they had this massive watch party in Truist Stadium. They had a a ton of Braves fan who came. And what was so cool is you had all these different people, all these unique and different individuals who came together to all celebrate the victory of the Braves, to all bond together under the heading of the Braves, right? That you have these unique people with different backgrounds, different things that they probably wouldn't know each other, might not even like each other, but they find common ground under the umbrella of the Braves. They wear the same colors, wear the same hats, and when the Braves won, someone who, again, might otherwise might not even speak to each other are sitting there hugging each other, cheering alongside each other, partying alongside each other. And it's just an incredible time. And it's, it, they're celebrating and basking in the victory of their team. And for me, that's, that's a, a, a picture of the body of Christ, that people who are unique and different and by some measures wouldn't even get along with one another by any other stretch of the imagination, all come together, united under the banner of God through the blood of Christ, and they rally around each other, and they celebrate and praise God, and they vask in the victory that was won on Calvary, and we are cheering alongside one another, and when someone's sad and down, we, we come to them, and we walk alongside of them, and we point them to the victory that was won, and the inheritance that is secured. We point them to God so that we can celebrate again. That is the picture of this life. Church is not meant to be something that you just come and, and just kind of like check your box and maybe sing a few songs do whatever, or you come to worship nights like this, or you go to home teams and it's just something you do. It is a giant celebration of who we are in God secured through Christ. It's meant to be a party of a celebration and glorifying and praising God. That is our role as followers of Jesus. And again, we can't do this without one another. To, to isolate in the Christian faith is detrimental to you and it's selfish. And here's why it's detrimental to you, because you need people. We are 
communal creatures and we need the body of Christ to encourage and lift us up that when we are down, when we are discouraged, when we are falling away, when we're going through tough seasons, we need people to lift us back up. When we are, are straying and, and, and falling into sin, we need people to hold us accountable and point us back to the cross. We need people. But it's also selfish because the body needs you. The body needs your unique gifting. That for you to distance yourself and not plug into a body is to say, I'm going to hoard my gift and God's grace to myself and I'm not going to use it to serve anyone else. We need you and you need us. We all need one another. And like I said, you can't one another without one another. And so Peter is encouraging these guys who are going through these suffering, these difficult times to rally around one another, to, to sit on the stone and the foundation that is God and to celebrate and sing praises of the victory that was won for them by the blood of Christ. And then with that foundation, they can endure any kind of suffering that might come. And so for you guys, I, I want kind to of, kind of bring it here for us tonight. You are not a part of the body unless you've been covered by the blood of Christ. That apart from Jesus, you are still dead in your sins and trespasses. That you're still far from God. But you need to understand that Jesus' death is extended out to you. That if you would trust in who he is, believing that he is the son of God, believing that he died on the cross for the sins of the world and believing that God raised him from the dead, then your sins are placed on his cross and are crucified with him and his righteousness is placed on you. And you go from an object of God's wrath to an object of his mercy. You go from someone dead in sin to a, a child of God alive with a rich inheritance that is secured, that is imperishable, that is undefiled, that is being kept for you. And because of that, you have a living hope and you're saved to a body who can come alongside and walk in this life with you amidst difficulty, amidst trials. You can celebrate and admire and be in awe of the person of God because of the blood of Jesus. And so maybe that's where you are. I don't know. And if that's where you are, I would encourage you uh, that tonight would be the night that you would put your trust in Jesus. Or maybe you got questions and I'd, I'd love to talk with you, whether it's tonight or we can go grab coffee some other time. I'd love to talk to you about that. Others of you, um, I would encourage you who, who are followers of Jesus to be good stewards of God's grace. To be a bad steward is to either not participate at all, to be absent, or to misuse the gift that you've been given. To, so to be absent would be to not plug into a body, um, to, to not be intentional with it, maybe even just show up and, and just kind of be there but be on the sidelines. That's absent. Um, but to misuse is to show up and to participate and to serve and to use God's grace. But instead of doing it for God's glory, you're doing it for your glory. Instead of building up God's kingdom, you're building your kingdom. And instead of serving others, you're serving yourself. And so be weary of, of being a bad steward of the grace that's been given to you. And so um, I don't know what your step is personally, um, but it starts with your love of Christ. And as you love Christ more, you will love his people more. And as you love people more, you want to serve and love them well. You will want to be hospitable to them. You want to serve them and you bring your gifts to the table as we all bring them together in this unique and different body coming together for one purpose under the headship of Christ, for his glory, for his mission, proclaiming his name to the ends of the earth, proclaiming the hope that we have in Jesus that is extended out to the world, being a light in this dark world. 
that's what we're called to be as a body of Christ. And my hope and my prayer is that each and every one of you would one, come into that body under Christ, but then two, participate in that body in, in glorifying his name to the end of the earth.